Have no fear of missing out. FOMO, your host is Brian Franzo, I'll tell you what you don't know. And now, your host, iSocial Fans. Welcome back to another episode of the FOMO Fans Podcast. This is episode 115. And on this episode, we're going to talk a little bit about pressing the damn button, but differently than what you might expect. Uh, I This past week, I gave three... Uh, keynotes in three different uh, arenas. I talked to a tourism group, I talked to a nonprofit, and then I talked to a uh, association in high tech. And all three of my keynotes were around pressing the damn button and telling your story. They weren't really focused on video, but I got a lot of questions about video. Everything from where should I start? What kind of videos work? Um, what's the role of video in 2019 and beyond? Differences between produced video and live video. And then probably one of the most popular questions I've, I've received was like, what is my workflow for video in regards to produced video versus live video versus video where I'm walking and talking versus video where it's uh, strategically planned. And so the good news for all of you on this episode of the show, uh, I'm going to answer all those questions. I'm going to answer all those questions, give you guys a little bit of my insights um, on video. Some of this information you're probably going to either be surprised by or have never heard me um, talk about, which is always a good time. And uh, for those that are listening, this episode is sponsored by Wix.com. Wix.com is actually the website platform that I move isocialfans.com directly over to. After 10 years with WordPress, I am now f- officially a full-time. Uh, my platform is now Wix for my isocialfans and Fable for my brianfanzo.com website. Uh, I actually just recorded an episode of Cheddar TV on uh, security and why Wix from a security uh, perspective is the better platform for me. And more than likely, a better platform for you, especially those um, that aren't fully into the tech space as far as testing out widgets and uh, securing widgets and understanding uh, the role of open source solutions. Uh, So thank you, Wix.com, for sponsoring this episode and allowing me to be your brand ambassador for the Cheddar Live uh, TV segments. Uh, If you guys are looking for 20% off of uh, your Wix.com website, uh, go ahead and look in the show notes. You'll see in the show notes uh the the code for 20 percent off of your website if you have any questions or anything feel free uh to let me know i've been uh, working with that team over there and uh really enjoying my experience so now onto the show and uh, you know those that are watching this live on facebook live you can actually see i'm wearing a t-shirt that says time to make the videos and this is from my good friends over at techsmith which makes two of my favorite apps which are camtasia and snagit you guys have heard me talk about screenshot awesomeness which means i screenshot every time something good happens every time i get a good email a good comment um and i use the tool snagit i've actually been using snagit uh since 2005 2006 probably the tool that that I've been using the longest out of any tool I've ever used. Uh, and then I'm going to talk a little bit about Camtasia uh, later on. But the reason I bring that up is their slogan is time to make the videos, kind of like Dunkin' Donuts, where it says time to make the donuts. And you're going to hear stats. You know, this is the funny thing on stage. I talk about it. You know, every year is the year of video. 2016 was the year of video. Actually, you know, YouTube came out. It was the year of video. 2018 or 2017, where live video took off and Facebook Live and and Facebook started to prioritize video. And then 2019, where we're now figuring out a little bit more on video analytics and 
understanding where video fits into our workflow. Uh, and here's the thing, breaking news. Uh, 2020 will also be the year of video. I mean, the year of video is here. And here's, the, here's one of the things. And, and I use this stat on stage that, uh, you know, 81% of all internet traffic by 2020, which is next year, will be video. And that's from the Cisco Index Report. You guys can just Google uh, Index Report. I actually think their their newest prediction is by 2021, it'll be 84% of all internet traffic will be video. But here's a couple of things about it. It's internet traffic, right? So it's not all content will be video. It's also no one said it's going to be good video. And the other thing about this is there are lots of video platforms that take up a lot of bandwidth and traffic, including YouTube. Um, and then, of course, we have uh, you know Instagram having IGTV. We have Facebook, which is the Goliath um, with Facebook video as well as Facebook Live. And really, every platform is embraced video. I mean, from Pinterest to LinkedIn. I mean, there is video on every platform. And here's why. And here's I'm going to kind of uh, set this out there for it. The reason is simple. Um, we no longer trust people online. The reason video is is being embraced, the reason we are going all in on video is video is the closest way that we can get to offline conversations and interactions. There is no better platform for offline interactions and conversations than video. You're able to look people in their digital eyeballs and decide if you trust them. Now, a good produced video with lots of good jump edits and cuts and my good friend Amy TV, uh, Amy Landino, who I, I believe is the queen of the jump cut. If you guys are, are wanting to be better at producing a really high quality, very tightly uh, produced video, uh, check out everything that Amy TV is doing. Uh, Amy, of course, is also the co-host of my other podcast, uh, Just Try This, uh, who I you know we, we need to get episode, season two going. Unfortunately for the two of us, uh, we are both extremely busy uh, with our schedule, so we haven't been able to make that happen. But Video, I mean, video is, the, it's, the, it's the gateway to trust. Now, I would argue live video is even a step further because it's hard to fake it till you make it if you're live video. Like, live video scares every agency because you can't outsource live video, right? You have to have the person on live actually be there. You also have to be willing to say, I don't know, or answer a question um, that you didn't expect, which is why, you know, live video is so powerful and it has so much value. But at the same time, you know, part of the thing with video, and, and this is something that I've talked about a lot is that you know people ask me all the time brian why do you you're like i i love video right i I'm, video is something that i i'm a big fan of but uh i'm also one that doesn't watch a lot of video yep you heard it right here the guy that's telling you to press the damn button does not watch a lot of video and here's the reason and it's the reason why i think podcasting is the most intimate platform in the world and i repeat this a lot lately but i i need to keep uh hitting this home when you're watching a video the creator of the video decides what you are visualizing for for that delivery uh it, it video is a show not tell platform which is also ironic because i am currently live streaming this podcast where i am just talking um not really showing but you guys of course can see me you can see the hat i'm wearing i'm representing a little bit of social fresh uh here you can see my press the damn button sticker. You can see the shirt I'm wearing. But my whole point of that is video is a show, not tell medium. Therefore, as a consumer, you are at the mercy of the creator. 
which is a good thing and a bad thing. But also at the same time, it means to truly get all of the value out of video, you must be giving video 100% of your attention, right? There's some TV shows, Netflix shows. I will actually, when I recommend a show, people will often say, Brian, what's your favorite show to watch? Or Brian, should I watch Peaky Blinders? Peaky Blinders is a show I'm watching right now. And I actually replied back on Facebook when someone asked me that uh, this week. And I said, Peaky Blinders is amazing. It's a show where I have to put my phone in the other room. The reason that is is because Peaky Blinders has very nuances. The storytelling and the writing is so powerful that you cannot multitask. If you are looking at your phone, tweeting, or, or trying to deal with your kids, it, Peaky Blinders kind of gets lost and you get overwhelmed. But then there's other shows that are perfectly fine to multitask, um, to enjoy, to, you know, um, Jennifer, uh, my girlfriend, likes uh, Working Moms right now on Netflix. Very entertaining, but I actually listen to it on the airplane uh, and watch it because I can listen and laugh and enjoy while also doing my work on the airplane. But the reason that I, you know, video, the reason that, you know, those are all what video fits. The reason podcasting, and I love podcasting, is I refer to it much like a book. When you are reading a book, why do we all hate it when it's on, on, uh, when it's made into a movie? We hate it because it's not what we visualize when we're reading the book. It's what the creator visualized. You know, Game of Thrones is the same way. Like everyone that was bashing on every Game of Thrones episode is because when they read the book, they pictured how they individually thought about the the delivery of the script. And unfortunately, we can't solve everyone, can't, you know, appease everyone with video. Where in podcasting and audio content right now, if you were listening to this and I was telling you a story, which I will tell you a couple stories here in a minute, you get to visualize what it looks like, the landscape. And so it comes a little bit more intimate. It allows you to shape it. And the other thing about it is I'm really freaking busy. I got lots of stuff going on in my life right now. And so podcasting is when I'm driving to the airport, when I'm sitting on the airplane, when I'm, uh, you know, in the Uber on the way back and forth. Uh, to a speaking gig, I consume podcasts. I don't li- I don't watch videos, and so podcasts, even audiobooks. Right now, uh, one of my good friends just wrote a book. I'll give him a plug. I didn't plan on it, but it's called Think, Do, Say uh, by my good friend Ron Tite. Actually, I, I bought two of the books, and because uh, I'm so excited about this book, it's also published by um, Page Two Publishing, which I really love uh, the way they create their books. But um, you know, Think, Do, Say by Ron Tite is a, is a great book that is out there, and I can tell you, I bought two of the physical copies, but I can't wait to actually listen to it on audible which is the audible version i i'm just not one um you know a little bit of my adhd a little bit about um, i want to be multitasking and doing other things when i'm consuming content and so that's kind of what fits into me and video now with all of that being said i am huge i am bullish on video especially linkedin video especially instagram video especially tiktok video i'm gonna talk a little bit about that i I really do believe video is here because let's face it you have to cut through the noise for me i think oftentimes that the live video helps people trust me and then they're interested in subscribing to my podcast and i would love if you're listening to this right now or maybe um if you're listening to it live or if you're listening to this episode um in your car and if you first watched a uh, me on video before ever subscribing to my podcast send me a tweet let me know or hit me up on instagram whatever your favorite platform is i would love to know for those that are are, are watching and lit how many of you first you know were we built your trust or understanding of who i was via video and then decided to subscribe to the audio content of my podcast because let's face it we have so much noise right now getting you know for me to subscribe to someone's newsletter for me to subscribe to someone's youtube channel and really even for me to subscribe to someone's podcast i really have to 
really want to, to consume that content because there's so much things going on and so many different podcasts and so many, I mean, even my, my top 12 podcasts, um, the, what my podcasts are have drastically changed this year. Uh, there's a couple podcasts. I listened to every episode for three years straight and I haven't listened to one episode of that show this entire year. And part of it just becomes, you know, Hey, I, I changed what I'm doing. I'm changing what, what I'm looking for in that medium, however that may be. But I, I do think video is that, is that gateway to trust. And if you are building your business, if you are trying to build a community, if you are trying to stand out from the noise, if you're trying to convey your message, if you are telling, trying to tell a story, if you are trying to relate with your audience, video is the answer. And I've said this for a long while. I believe the future of marketing is relatability. Therefore, you must be doing video to become more relatable so that you can build trust to ultimately have the opportunity and the honor to sell something to someone, right? You build that up over time. Shout out to my good friend, Phil Jones. Um, who talks about that in his book, which is called Know Exactly What to Say. Um, and I think that's, you know, you want to build trust so that you that, that trust is built up, giving you the, the trust to actually be able to sell something, a service, a product, whatever that may be. Now, when it comes to video, press the damn button is my mantra. It's, it's on the back of my business cards. If those of you that have got a business card of mine, it's on the back of my business card. It is the book that I am finishing up right now. Shout out to Bree, um, who I'm working with on my book. Bree uh, Anderson is helping me uh, kind of finalize and bring this book to fruition. All the things I've written, all the things that I've said, we're kind of pulling it together. I'm excited to get this book out very soon. Um, but press the damn button. You know, here, Here's the origin of it. Press the damn button was one slide on one screen. Um, of one presentation. And what I did was I said, press the damn button because I was so tired of people telling me that they were inspired to do video, telling me that they were excited to start using video and then waiting a year and then telling me they were still inspired, they were still excited, but they haven't actually done it. And I was like, for the love of God, please press the damn button. And it's funny, now it's what I'm you know synonymous with. It's, it's mentioned on social media over 300 times a week right now and it's not even from me or people that are directly in my community it's people that have heard me speak people that are that are listening to the show whatever it may be and it's really this mantra of like get over perfection stop trying to control the variable stop making an excuse that you don't have the right con you don't have the right equipment and oh my god i don't have i don't have the setup brian like i don't have the perfect setup i i haven't bought my switch pod yet brian i don't have a, a perfect uh, you know whatever all, all those things are crutches they're excuses that you are making to not create video and press the damn button what it was for was stop making excuses and start creating damn video but here's the thing Pressing the damn button means you need to just start doing it. Start getting used to telling your story, putting yourself out there. But what press the button, press the damn button doesn't mean, and I, and it's funny because I've had some people that kind of misunderstood this. It doesn't mean to create a bunch of crap for forever. It doesn't mean that you don't need to produce your videos or create a produced show. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be strategic. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't work with video, video professionals. What it means is that you, you're never going to get good on video until you actually press the damn button. You're never going to know what works on video until you press the damn button button. You're not going to understand the role video plays until you press the damn button. These are all things that press the damn button enables. But I feel as though once you get that strategy, once you get comfortable telling your story and creating video and, and looking at yourself in the, in the, in the selfie view of your, uh, of your phone, 
Once you get comfortable, now is where you can take a step back from pressing the damn button and start to build a strategy, start to understand what tools and what platforms you should be using. And that's where I'm going to take this show. So I hopefully have inspired you in the past. Uh, this is episode 115. There's a, there's a lot of talk about me telling you to press the damn button. But once you press the damn button, now, now the question becomes, well, where do I start? Well, where do I go? Where, what platforms are best? Brian, and so here's the thing. Every single platform that I share my video on, I just did this today, every video that I create, when I repurpose it or what I call upcycle it onto a platform, there is a strategy, there is data, there is a vision of what success looks like, okay? So this is what we have to start thinking about. So the question becomes, where do you start? Where do you start? The answer to that question is you start where you are most comfortable. Don't listen to the, the marketers that tell you, start where your audience is. Here's the thing. If you start where your audience is, for me, that would be YouTube, um, you would never get started. If I, was, if I never went did a Google Plus show, if I never went live on Meerkat and then Periscope and then Facebook Live, I wouldn't... YouTube, YouTube, if I was waiting to, to use YouTube, I would still, because I, I barely have a thousand subscribers on YouTube, YouTube still scares me. It's where my audience might be. It's just not the platform that I've spent the amount of time that it deserves. And therefore, I have not used uh, YouTube to its advantage. So what I'm telling you is that don't start where you are not comfortable. Start, if you like, you know, hey, if you're like, man, Brian, I love Instagram, start doing Instagram stories. And then maybe an IGTV, or even if you don't want to do an IGTV, do a, a 60 second uh, Instagram post in your Instagram feed. If you love Facebook, if you've been building a Facebook audience for a long while, not why not create an episodic show on Facebook where you're like, hey, this is episode one of 10 of this new show on Facebook and start creating content on Facebook. I believe this is the biggest problem for a lot of people is they either don't know where to start, so they use that as an excuse, or they try to start where they're not comfortable, and then it's awkward. It's and it, really, it's gonna be awkward no matter what. But it's awkward. It's uncomfortable. You're scared. You don't understand it. It doesn't work. And then you're like, ah, screw it. I tried video. It doesn't work for me, Brian. But here's the funny thing. I, I spoke this past week at a tourism event, a nonprofit and a high-tech association, and all three of them are diving into video already. It's not even five days later. I mean, one of the, the comments that I got back on, on this weekend was uh, someone from the association said, Brian, uh, we've created more video and more social media content for our association in the last 48 hours than we have in the last 48 months combined. Woohoo! I call that a win as a speaker. That's what I call educating and inspiring. Very excited about that, right? And so here's the thing. Pressing the damn button and getting it out there is essential. You have to... It's weird. It's awkward. I mean, video still is, is overwhelming. I, I say this a lot. I don't like to watch myself on video. Like, if I have to write a video for a client, I actually send it to a group of friends and have them give me feedback. Is this worth um, Is this worth posting? Is it? What should I change? Is this good or is this bad? I actually let my friends watch it because if I watched it, I'd be like... Brian, you talk too fast. Brian, why are you using your hands? Brian, you're not centered in the screen. Brian, you're touching the microphone too much. Stop playing with your beard. Brian, you're spitting. That's all. I, I, I don't like watching myself on video, but I've found a way using friends and, and um, other methods to, to embrace video. Now, when we, now I, I, got, I got, told you guys why we need to press the damn button. I told you what we need to get over and where you need to start. Now the question becomes, okay, Brian, now that I, I, I saw video and I understand I need to be on video, how do I put video into my business strategy? Because remember, 
I am not here for, to go viral. I am not here for vanity metrics. I do not like social media or video for fun. I, I, I like it to solve business problems and accomplish business goals. So if you're one, you can stop listening right now, right now. And this, you're not going to hear this on many podcasts. If you want to go viral with your video, if you want a video to be uh, on YouTube's front page, if you believe that you're, you're entertaining and you're looking for that kind of content, don't listen any further. Don't just stop right now. Just hit, hit press the damn uh, end button because that's not what my focus is. I, I make... I make hundreds of thousands of dollars on business leads with video, but I'm not going to give you hundreds of thousands of views on your video if it's a talking head video or what it might be. That's just, that's just the truth. And I know what I'm good at and I know what I'm not good at. And I just want to make sure you guys are managing your expectations that are watching this, that are also listening to this um, on the podcast, because that's not what I'm about. I, I, I'm here to solve business problems, achieve business objectives. And so when I look at that, when I look at the different platforms, Everyone's like, okay, Brian, I'm fired up. And then you're like, wait, Brian, didn't you say that you watch a lot of TikTok videos? Like, what are you, that's not business. Here's the funny thing. I am, I am a much better creator today because of TikTok than I was six months ago. Because I watch a lot, like last night I spent 45 minutes uh, taking notes and watching TikTok videos um, from police officers, from firefighters, from uh, influencers, from uh, some, some business professionals, even some nurses and doctors that go live on there. Because what I'm trying to figure out on TikTok was what compels people to press the damn button there? What kind of content really works? How are they creating this content? What are some of the, the functionalities in the TikTok content creation methodology that, are, that allows this creativity? One of them that I absolutely love is that you can set a timer for the video to stop during a certain part of the song. So what you can do is, I, I did this recently on one of them, right? Okay, so five seconds of the 15 seconds, I wanted to do a video. And so I do the video and it automatically cuts off at the five seconds. I can then move to somewhere else in my room. I can change my clothes. I can do whatever I want to do to change the perspective of, of that video. And then I can press the record button again and record another five seconds. Then I can go outside or I can go somewhere else and then record the last five seconds. And what, it, what that is really interesting is here's the thing with video that we video when we're, we're just the same perspective, the same thing going on. It oftentimes it loses interest. People uh, be like, oh, you know, it's the same old, same old. Right. It's the idea that, like, OK, they're not they're not changing it up. And on live video like this podcast is a little harder to do. But when you're trying to tell a story and trying to build trust or bring people along with you on a journey, changing up the viewpoint of the video is very valuable and if you'll be noticed watching, if you watch my LinkedIn video that goes live today, I, I just uploaded it um, this afternoon, uh, you'll actually notice that I record the first 30 seconds in my office and then the next 30 seconds outside. And why did I do that? Because I wanted you to see the, the juxtaposition. I wanted to keep your attention. And I learned that via TikTok. I've said this forever. Limitations inspire creativity. I am going to TikTok not to learn how to be viral, not to become TikTok famous, which is what they talk about on TikTok, but I want to understand the consumer. Why are people consuming? Why are people creating? Why are people commenting? Why are more people downloading TikTok than they are Facebook and Instagram combined? These are all things for me that allow me to create better business, better video for myself as a business content creator. And what I mean by that, just to also kind of caveat this, just because I'm a business content creator doesn't mean I don't have fun. Doesn't mean I don't show videos that are real and raw. And doesn't mean I don't just talk about business crap all day long. It means that when I define the success of my video, it is attached to a business objective of mine. 
If, you, if, if you're going to take a note right here, this is what you need to do. Every video that you post online must have a vision of what success is and attach that to a business objective. And, and maybe it is word of mouth. If word of mouth is one of your business objectives, then total views of a video is a good one to actually focus on. But if word of mouth or if, if visibility of the video of your tool is not the, the, the focus of that video, don't focus on video views. Focus on something else that is success. So I've kind of, I've shared that. I shared a little bit about video. I shared a little bit about press the damn button. I shared now why I'm not focusing on going viral. I'm focusing on business objectives. Talked a little bit about TikTok. But now I want to talk about, okay, now that we're kind of figuring all these places out, where, where do you, where can you put your, your mindset to understand how these platforms work? And the first thing to do is to remember that your video is not considered good by you, the creator. Every video that I've ever created is a great video. Very few of them are actually great. And how do, who determines if a video is great? Not you, the creator. Not the social media platform. It is the audience that is watching it. The audience that watches it determines if a piece of content is good or great or worth sharing, which is how something goes viral, which um, I could do a whole podcast on uh, virality of videos. I love stu- studying the virality of videos, even though I don't. My, one of my goals is not uh, to actually go uh, viral. It's more of understanding how that happens so that I can put that into my, uh, my business and the things that I'm uh, individually doing. And so when we look at video and we work at this workflow, the thing that I think about, and, and here is where I'm going to give you guys some workflow tips and, and feel free to pause this and then uh, listen to it when you have time to take notes or, you know, listen to it again uh, later on. But here's how I think of it. When I'm creating a video, what I first think is what does success look like? What I, why am I creating this video? Oftentimes it's because I had a good idea in the shower <laughs> or someone asked me a really good question on stage or I watched somebody tweet something and I'm like, that's wrong. I need to create a video on that. Now, the other thing about video is I, this is a new one for me. And I think it's something that we have to start to look at is I ask myself, should this be a video piece of content or should it be a blog? Should it be a tweet? Should it be a picture word graphic with a quote over top of it? I think too oftentimes we, we're like, ooh, this is something I have to say. And then we're like, oh, I'm going to do video. But is it, is, should it be a video? Because remember what I said at the beginning of this podcast, when you should you do video? Video is a show, not tell medium. Video requires the 100% attention of your audience. Therefore, if you are not showing anything, if you, are, if you don't believe your audience is at the mindset or the place that you're creating the content is there to give you 100% of their attention, you probably shouldn't be creating a video. Maybe you should create a different type of content. Maybe a video is the end product, but you need to tease it out. You need to kind of bring it out um, to your audience. You know, it's kind of like when you see a new TV show, which I, I always, I'm always entertained by. You know, you don't, we don't really need to watch another TV show. I mean, I binge watch a lot of Netflix. I don't need another show. But if they give me a little teaser, they talk about the actors, they talk about what's, what's to come, who's going to be on the show, what's what, one of those things, then I'm like, ooh, okay, now I'm going to watch the content. And so maybe that's what that should, you need to do. And I can tell you, I do this a lot. I will oftentimes go on Instagram stories and I will do an Instagram story where I talk about a topic and I ask people, what are your thoughts? What do you think about that? Or um, do you agree or disagree with me? I'll actually ask my, my, my Instagram stories audience like, hey, what do you think of this, this piece of content? Like, what do you, you know, what do you, what's your thoughts? And then based on what they say, if, the, if everyone's like, sure, yeah, Brian, I agree. 
then, I, you know, it'll kind of determine if I should create a video or not. If people are like, um, I don't know what you're talking about, Brian. I'm like, ooh, I need to clarify my point before I create a video, right? Like not just creating a video for, for video's sake or, or a video because I believe that's what needs to be put out there. And so back to this workflow, I start with success. I then think about that audience. What is my audience doing when they're watching it? So then, because this is what I hear a lot is, Brian, how long should my videos be? Here's the answer to that question. How long do you believe, A, you can keep the attention of your audience, B, how much time does your audience during the time that they're consuming it have to dedicate to your content? Let me repeat that again. If you're, if you're creating a video and you're putting it out at 9 a.m. on a Thursday, ask yourself how many people that you're trying to reach on a Thursday at 9 a.m. have the time in their calendar to sit down and watch a 20-minute video, a 30-minute video, a 5-minute video, whatever it may be. If the answer is, wow, this is when my audience, you know, hey, my target audience is stay-at-home dads. My target audience is those that are commuting. My target audience are marketers who watch my videos at work, and they usually like to watch videos at 9 o'clock on Thursday. Cool. But if it's not, now we have to start thinking about like that video. So I think about success. I think about my audience. The other thing I like to think about, and I always I talked to this before, is what are th- my three takeaways from this video? What are the three things I want my audience to take away from the video that I am creating? What are three things? And they can be simple, like Brian is a keynote speaker. That could be one of them, right? Uh, another one could be um, video is, uh, the year of video is every year. Uh, a third one can be, I need to define success of my video, right? Like that could be for this episode here. But you need to put out, I like to say three, you can pick two, you can pick four, I don't care. However many direct takeaways you want to um, to deliver, make sure you define that. Because one of the things about video as well is that Yes, you can edit it. Yes, you can cut it up. But there's also a point that you want to get direct to your to what you want to talk about, but you also don't want to control the message. I'm not one that does a teleprompter. Now, I do have some friends that do teleprompter videos really, really well. But for me, I would rather have swim lanes than rules or a script. Which What I mean by that is, here are the things, Brian, you need to make sure you cover. Go and have fun with the and swim any way you want down that path as long as you 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 get to these three points. Other people are like I need a script, I need directly, I need to outline. Hey, perfectly fine. If you need to outline your videos, I'm 100% for that. You need to do whatever you need to do to be successful. All right, so now we've defined success, we've thought about our audience, we've thought about the three key things of what we want to actually talk about. Now the fourth one I like to say is what am I going to do with the video after I I press the stop button? So you press the damn button to record and then you press the damn button to stop. This is something that I don't think a lot of people think about. And what I mean by this is who's editing the video? Am I going to add captions or not? Am I editing the video? What software am I going to use to edit the video? Am I taking the video on my mobile phone? Am I going to edit it on a laptop? When am I going to be in front of my laptop? If I'm not going to edit it on my laptop, can I edit it on my phone? If I can't edit it on my phone, if I hired somebody that can edit the video for me, These are all things you should think about before you press the damn button at the beginning. The reason I say that is, as a storyteller, and this has taken me a long time to realize, you must visualize the end product before you have a start of a video. The reason is, is because editing a video that has no vision of what you're actually, how you're going to actually cut it up or use it is crazy and overwhelming. 
I can tell you this because Jennifer and I created a new brand called Take Two, uh, which is called the Take Two Couple. We decided to vlog last year and just capture all of the moments that we had as a couple. And we created lots of video, like 40 hours worth of video we captured on GoPro and on, on all this stuff. And then I went to try to turn that video into something like a vlog or into a finished product. And I can tell you, we have one vlog and the reason is is there's no method to the madness of that video. It is overwhelming. It is all over the place. And it is taking, it's going to take me way too long to deliver it into the product that I want to deliver. And so do not make that mistake. And, and, and you have to think about it. Okay. After I record this video, it's going to, I'm going to give it to someone on my team. They're going to edit it. Okay. Now that I know that they're going to edit it, should I have captions on it? Remember, majority of people watch the first 30 seconds of a video without the sound on. Am I compelling enough with the title of my video and how I'm interacting in the video to get people to turn the sound on? Or should I include captions? You guys know my favorite tool for captions is called quick.com. Uh, I-O, Q-U-I-C-C dot I-O. I will provide the link that gives you actually double the amount of minutes uh, in the first month if you use my link uh, below. Uh, so I'll, I'll include that. The reason I like Quick uh, for, for captions is because it allows me to add captions over the video beyond just the basic SRT file, which is um, you know the, the file that you get to upload for uh, closed captions. It allows me to add colors. I can put it on the top of the video. I can put it on the bottom of the video, whatever it may be. I love quick because I can do that. If, you don't, if you're not looking to add the, the, the captions on top of your videos, you just want to upload it separately as an SRT file, you can use a tool like Remy or a tool like or Temi or a tool like Rev.com. I, I've used Rev.com for years if I just need to transcribe my video and upload it as an SRT file. But these are all things you need to think about. Because now is when, so now we've gone through this entire process. You start to, you realize what you want to do with the video afterwards. Now, this, this is the step you guys all thought would, you would do first is now you think about which platform is best for this video or which platforms are best for this video and how am I going to cut the video up? Right. And so I recently, I just created a video today and the video I did today, the main place that I want the video to live is LinkedIn, but it's also some really good content that I think my Instagram audience is going to like. So I thought about that before I went live was, okay, Brian, remember that you're going to cut this video up into vertical video because you're going to post it as an IGTV. So I thought of that before I created the video so I can think about it and say, okay, LinkedIn is where I'm, this video is made for, but I'm also going to upcycle it onto Instagram. So remember that Brian in the words that I use. Cause like, remember sometimes we use words in a video, like, uh, you know, on YouTubers, they always say, uh, smash the subscribe button and turn on the bell so that you get notifications. Well, if you if you give those type of call to actions, they don't make sense if you're repurposing or upcycling the video on LinkedIn or Instagram. So there is an element of making your content more evergreen if you plan on using it on other platforms. Now, if your plan is to put it on YouTube or put it on Facebook and you may, might cut it up to market on other channels, you can always cut up the pieces where you're not giving um, platform uh, agnostic advice. That's perfectly fine. But for me, I wanted the video to be valuable for both LinkedIn and valuable for Instagram. Therefore, I'm not going to say things like make sure you're subscribed or make sure you follow me on LinkedIn or make sure you comment here on Instagram. Now, I might say make sure you comment below or I might say check out the, 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 the description above because those are both things that exist on Instagram and LinkedIn. So hopefully this kind of give you guys that like, workflow. Now, I'm going to give you my tools because this is the other thing. 
when I create a video via my desktop, if I'm using either my DSLR camera or my web camera that is on my, on my uh, top of my monitor, if I'm using those to create a video, the way that I edit the video and produce the video is different than if I'm doing it on my phone sitting at the airport. And I'm going to give you guys the tools that I use for each one of these, and they are different. It's also different how I use the tools and where they fit into my workflow. So let's start with the, um, I'll, I'll give mobile video a second. So if I'm recording a video in my studio or at an event and I have a DSLR or I have a, a 1080p, oh, this is actually a 4K um, web camera and I'm using my professional lighting and I have all these things. One of the things that I think about at this point is I'm recording the video in high resolution. Therefore, it's going to be a big file. Therefore, I need to make sure that I have a, uh, an external hard drive, which I have two external hard drives right now made by Lacey. Um, they're two terabytes each, and I've almost filled up both of them with video content that I've created recently. Um, just an idea of how much video content I create. Um, so th that's something to think about. Hey, how much how much space do I have? You know, I do a lot with my GoPro, uh, and I love my GoPro, but I also record my GoPro in high resolution, and in, these files are ginormous. My GoPro videos that I record right here, you know, they're huge. I, I did one this weekend with my daughters uh, playing tennis. And I didn't do time lapse. I actually did the video and I was like 50 minutes. It's like a six gig video. I mean, I, I, our six gig file, that's a big thing to think about. So now the workflow. So the workflow when I'm on my desktop, here's the thing I want you guys to realize. I have Adobe Creative Cloud, which means I have Adobe Premiere, which is a editing software or, you know, different, there's different editing software for Adobe. I have Adobe Cloud. I also have Final Cut Pro because I have that installed on my, uh, my MacBook. I've been a Final Cut Pro um, user for, I don't know, 10 years, five years, I don't know, however long it's been around. I also have Camtasia, the tool I talked about earlier, made by TechSmith. I started using that tool back when I was creating uh, training uh, projects uh, with the, the U.S. government and then with the data center because it allowed you to do screen capture and a lot of things very easily. And then I also have iMovie, which is the Macintosh uh, default. Every person that, if you're listening to this and you have a Macintosh, uh, you have iMovie on your computer that you can edit video on. Now, surprisingly enough, many people would think, like, okay, well, Brian, you're the tech gadget guy. You're probably using Adobe or Final Cut Pro to edit a majority of your videos because they're the more expensive, high, high flutant um, uh, editing software. I'm sure that's what you're using. And the answer is no. And the reason is, is because I'm all for productivity and streamlining my process. I learned long ago that I could take forever to edit something or I could edit something to a level that I, that I am comfortable with and more often than not, someone doesn't know the difference. What I mean by that is, if I start to edit a video in Final Cut, it has so many different bells and whistles, and I can add different components, and I can even get people to, to send me different files to add transitions and all of these things. I can fine-tune every um. I can, I can do some really cool custom transitions. If I do that, I spend hours editing a video. Do I need to spend hours? Remember, I'm doing this for business objectives. Is the video spending hours to edit a video going to be worthwhile for me and my time and the, the end result of the video? If not, let's not use the fancy stuff. And so I use, for a majority of my video, I use TechSmith's 
Camtasia. Camtasia is a tool that I absolutely love. If you are interested in getting your hands on Camtasia, uh, I might just have a link or a discount code for you. Uh, so reach out to me on Twitter or uh, Instagram or LinkedIn um, or Facebook, wherever you are connected with me on. Um, or send me an email, brian at isocialfans.com. Uh, I'll see if I can get you uh, a, a pretty good discount on TechSmith Camtasia. They're not paying me to plug them there. Um, I have done work with them in the past, but uh, they're not paying me. No, none of these tools or platforms are paying me to talk about them right now other than Wix.com, which is our sponsor. But I use Camtasia because it has enough of the bells and whistles, but it also is simple enough that I don't overdo it. It allows me to transition. I can fade in, fade out. I can, um, I can uh, add multiple videos. So if I did a, a time-lapse video and I recorded a video on my phone, I can easily add them in. It layers the different tracks. I can separate the audio from the video. I can edit them separately. I can you know, uh, include captions. I can use a lot of these other pieces of Camtasia, but it's not as overwhelming. It, it doesn't send me down a rabbit hole. Now, it's a, it's better than iMovie because I believe iMovie is very limiting. It's very limiting even on the, the output of the product. But I love TechSmith Camtasia. So my workflow is I record it on my DSLR or my web camera. I then... Um, you know, after it's recorded, I open it in Camtasia. I start to edit it. Usually I focus on what is the thumbnail going to be? What are some things I might need to cut out? What is the end going to be? And how long do I want the video to be? I can get in there and chop it up, cut it up however I, um, I need fit. Uh, and then I'll export the video. I'll export the video to my, my desktop. Now for me recently, I've been using this captioning service because I think it adds another layer to my storytelling. Therefore, I use quick.io. So now I go to quic.io on my web browser. I open it up. I log in and it says upload video. I now upload my video onto their platform. It's actually fairly fast to the upload. It then renders, and this is the part that Quick does really well. They are focused on speed more so than having the exact um, transcribe of your of your show. So I would say with Temi, which is the um, the tool that I, I use, kind of. Uh, in conjunction. Temi is about 95% accurate with me. Uh, I would say quick is closer to 90 or 92% accurate. Most of the time, the stuff that I have to edit in quick is stuff that I either talk too fast or I say things like I social fans, like I social fans, no editing software, no transcribing software ever gets that. Or even my last name, they always say fans. They, they spell it F A N S space O, right? Like they don't ever get that correctly, but I upload it into quick.io. And then once it's rendered, usually within a minute or two, I open up the file there. What's really nice is it opens up um, with my words on one side, the video on the other. I can scroll down when I click on a word, it actually moves the video to that part inside of the uh, so I can actually listen to what I'm actually saying um, within the transcription. I edit it top to bottom. I then flip over to the other side of Quick and I get, pick the font that I want, the color that I want. Do I want the captions on the top? Do I want the captions on the bottom? Remember, depending on the platform, if you put the captions on the bottom on a LinkedIn video, LinkedIn's player button oftentimes covers your captions on the bottom. So think about if you're if LinkedIn is your your uh, place. Think about creating the captions so they are above your head, which probably means you need to sit a little bit lower when you're creating the video. So then I edit that. I, I hit export. It now downloads um, the video or I hit export. It takes a couple minutes to render, usually like two or three minutes to render. I then can download the file, that, that video file. And now I have a video file 
that I recorded on my desktop that has been edited, that is now has, uh, has words, my transcription on the top of the video with the words as I'm talking, and I have the file ready to go. Now, I will tell you, it's much easier to upload via your desktop to any of the platforms. So if I'm going to do it on LinkedIn, I upload it directly into LinkedIn. If I'm going to do it on Twitter, I open Media Studio, and I upload the file into Twitter Media Studio. I know not everyone has access to Twitter Media Studio. It might be something that only verified users get, but that's how I upload um, my videos into Twitter. It also allows me to do videos longer than two minutes and 20 seconds. Um, and then, I, then I'm good to go, right? Um, and then I'm able to you know, create the video. Now, if, I, if this video is going to go on Instagram because um, you know, Instagram is the place you have to put it, in the past, I used to have to airdrop the video from my desktop to my phone. Right now, there's a tool called Business Creator, Business Creator by Facebook that actually allows me to upload my videos from my desktop onto Instagram, both as a post or as IGTV. So in this case, I would, if I wanted to take that video that I just edited and I just um, added the captions onto, I could actually take that video... Now go to my business creator page, which is, uh, I wanted to pull it up here while I'm, uh, while I'm live. So it's called, I, I just hit, uh, it's called facebook.com slash creator studio. Um, and it actually allows me to log into my Instagram account and I can upload the video directly there. Now, of course, if it's an IGTV, you're going to have to edit the video to vertical. I'll explain how I do that in a minute, but that's my process. That's my desktop process for creating a video. But I will tell you, I create a lot more videos from my phone than I do from my DSLR or from my web camera. So now what's my workflow for my phone? So for my phone, the workflow comes down to a couple different things. I didn't talk about audio before. Um, audio is a whole nother uh, thing. But on my phone, usually I try to decide, is there background noise or is there going to be wind? If there is, I usually use an external microphone or my AirPods as my audio input, as my audio input for my video. If, 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 like I, if I'm in the airport and I don't think there's that much crazy noise or wind, um, I'll actually use just my iPhone uh, itself. I don't actually need an external audio. Uh, you'd be surprised. A lot of my video on my phone, I use no external audio at all, um, and you couldn't even tell the difference. So on my phone, remember, what I'm thinking about my phone is do I want to do horizontal or, or do I want to do vertical, right? Horizontal or vertical. That's something I would think about. You want to think about the platform. You want to think about what the video is you want to do. I can tell you what I've been doing recently is I've been doing a lot of my video horizontal and then I use an app on my phone to make it look good in vertical. And I'll explain to that. So on my phone, I press the record. I use the native video um, option on my iPhone. Um, I also have an Android uh, S8 over there. Uh, same thing with that. I use my normal video um, you know, app. Uh, I make sure that it's set to the settings that I want. Usually it's 1080p. I make sure the camera is looking at me, not looking at somewhere else. And then I press the damn button and I record my video, right? Uh, the other thing you want to remember is when you're recording video on your mobile phone, more often than not, the you can't see what time it is or how long the video has actually been recording. So one of the things I like to do is I will check my um, Apple Watch before I record so that I can look at it throughout the video. Because if I want to record a video that's going to be eight minutes long, I need to know what eight minutes is. And sometimes I can get off on a tangent. And so it's important to have a clock around you or a clock visible um, for you to actually see how long you've been recording video because once you've recorded for a little bit, all of the controls on your iPhone go away and uh, you don't actually know how long you've been recording. So I record my video on my mobile device and then it of course saves, um, you know, it's rendered and saved to my physical phone. Now I can tell you, 
a lot of my videoing, my video editing from my phone, I don't actually, the video never leaves my phone. And sometimes it does if I'm going to use the captioning service. But for the most part, what I do is as soon as I'm done with a video, I open up my favorite current app, which is called Video Shop App. Video Shop app, which is a, um, it's a, I absolutely love this app. Um, it's Video Shop app. I believe I pay a subscription $2.99 or $3.99 a month. Um, and it's where I do all of my video content. Uh, and I'm showing it here on video. It's where I do all of my, my video content. But what it's really nice is I, I, I hit the plus sign. I hit upload. It allows me to choose the clip that I actually want to upload um, to, my, to my actual, into the app. It takes a couple seconds for it to do it, and now the video is in the app. Now, what's really nice about this app is I can do everything from I can resize it from horizontal to vertical, as you guys can see here on the video that are watching this um, on Facebook Live. So if it is a vertical video, I can actually take the vertical video, which was recorded vertical first, and I can I can shrink it so it has the top and bottom um, for vertical, and then I can hit the blur background button, and it actually blurs the top and bottom so it doesn't look all weird with a white space above you. Um, you can actually also add uh, words and text above the actual video so that you can have, a, I put my sticker, uh, you know, if you guys didn't know, um, iSocialFans, if you look, if you're on Giphy or if you're on Instagram or any of the platforms and you're looking for uh, a GIF or a sticker, if you search iSocialFans or just iSocialFans, I have a whole bunch of GIFs that I made that anyone can use. I can actually add that to my video and it, and it sits on the video throughout the entire video. I can add words like Cheddar Live and Sponsored by Wix on the top part of the video so it's not actually overlapping the video that people are watching, but it also adds some some support some extra uh, fluff to the the video itself so i do that i usually i can also add filters so i can change uh the filter so i can add color i can um, make it less shadowy this is all within this video shop app that I'm, i've been using so i can do all of this on my on my mobile phone and remember this part of this is is because i want to get it out in real time if i don't have if i'm not um, trying to get it out right away, I can send the phone, the video to my desktop, and then I would go through the same process that I talked to you guys about a little couple minutes ago. But if my goal is to post it from my phone, which happens a lot, I'm going to edit it here in Video Shop app. And then the nice thing here also on this app is I can actually then just hit download or hit, it says share, and you can actually share it. You can actually download it to your camera roll. You can have it directly sent to Facebook or Instagram or Snapchat or Vimeo, or even if you just want to send it out to somebody on your Facebook Messenger. You can actually do that all natively within uh, the Video Shop app. I oftentimes just download it to my, my camera roll because I want a copy of the actual produced video. And then I upload it to whatever platform I want. So if it's Instagram, I upload Instagram. If it's LinkedIn, remember LinkedIn video can't be longer than 10 minutes if you're uploading to LinkedIn. If it's 10 minute and one second and you didn't edit it, it won't work. So just keep that in mind um, when you're uploading uh, onto LinkedIn. And I can upload directly from my phone here. Now, if I want to add captions, I can actually upload the video from my phone to quick.io, Q-U-I-C-C.io. I can actually edit the captions here on my phone as well. At the moment, when you want to download the video, you are going to need to be on a desktop to download the caption version of the video. But I know that there were, it's something that the team is working on over there, uh, Jason and the team, um, so that you can download it via mobile. But um, it is nice that I don't have to send the video to my desktop. I can just open my browser, upload the, the video, and then I just jump on my computer um, and edit it and then download it on, on my computer as well. 
And then I post. That's really my workflow, right? So you guys have seen the workflow. That's my desktop. This is my mobile phone. Last but not least, I'm going to give you just a quick couple minutes on the platforms. When I think about LinkedIn video, I think about thought leadership level video. Who are the people that are going to watch it? How much of me do they actually know? What do they know for I do for a living? Are they familiar with how they can hire me? What's the last piece of content they've seen? If it's on Instagram, I'm, I usually uh, tease out my content via Instagram stories. So I think about, hey, okay, what is the story I'm going to tell on Instagram stories to inspire people to go watch my IGTV? I don't just drop the IGTV and hope people watch it, right? Facebook um, is very similar. I think about what was the last thing I shared on Facebook? What was the last thing that got engagement on Facebook? How can I link this to that? Twitter, I think about what hashtags do I want to use to, to add glue to this video? I also think about what is the best time to post this video, right? Oftentimes people ask, how, what, how long is, the, is a perfect video? And remember, I believe perfection's a fairy tale. Uh, I don't believe the length of a video is as important as when you actually post it. For me, I have a very heavy um, UK audience. Shout out to my friends across the pond. And so I try to post video when it's evening time in the UK so that it's afternoon or late afternoon here on the East Coast in the United States. And that way it's middle of the day or late morning on the West Coast. Therefore, I capture my entire audience. If your audience is all hyper local and they're in New York City, you can think about, okay, when is the best time in New York City? Are my people actually going to watch the video? Is it when they're commuting on the metro or the subway? Um, is it when they're home after dinner time? Is it in the morning when they first get into the office? Whatever it may be. The time that you're posting something is very important for your strategy. And then last but not least, I use the data that is provided to me via the video to influence future videos. What I mean by that, on LinkedIn, when I post a video to LinkedIn, and LinkedIn, I let it sit you know, for a couple days on LinkedIn, and people can watch the, and just so you guys know, I post uh, one video a week to LinkedIn every single week. So if you guys uh, are following me over there on LinkedIn, you probably have seen me do a lot of video. But the other thing that's really nice about LinkedIn uh, when it comes to LinkedIn video is you can also just uh, see who's viewed your video, where they've come from, what their background is. You can actually see all of these things about your video within the data on LinkedIn, which is really great. I can tell you that 50% of the people that viewed my video are salespeople or uh, you know, a majority of the people that watch your video on LinkedIn are from New York City, whatever that may be. You have all of this information is really cool. And I, I'm pulling mine up by video right now. It actually tells me 16 people from IBM viewed your video. Three people from Vortox companies viewed your video. Four people from Radford University viewed your video. It also tells me 45 people that viewed your video are founders or identify as founders. 38 of them identify as marketing specialists. 57 of the people that watched your video are from New York City. 23 of them are from Washington, D.C. And if I look at this right now, the video that I posted just the other day, yesterday, um, on LinkedIn, everyone is in the United States that's watched it. A majority of them are founders or marketing specialists. And for the most part, the companies that, that have actually um, watched the videos um, are ones that I, I recognize that company. I understand who they are, right? There we go. So now I can use that video, use that data to better understand 
hey, okay, maybe I should create different video. Or this also helps me decide what I'm going to put in the comments, how I'm going to engage with people um, on the video. I use that data as well. Instagram is also great for that, right? How many people liked your video? How many people comment on your video? Uh, there's also there's a difference between a view and somebody watching a video. There's also a view difference between someone uh, just seeing your video in their feed versus actually clicking and opening the video to full screen. These are all things you have to think about. So I probably overwhelmed you with video. I talked about its importance. I talked about why it's there. I talked about the platforms. Here's the thing. Press the damn button is not video. Press the damn button is I believe everyone has a story to tell and we all need to put our story out there. Video is not going anywhere. It's only going to continue to grow and continue to be valuable for the audiences that are out there and the, you know people that are consuming it. But if you are not comfortable on video, you don't have to do video. You can do a podcast. You can do. You can tell your story via blogging, but I'm here to tell you, video is a viable solution for building trust, for telling the story of your business, for getting people to understand your value proposition, for people relating with you, for people trusting you, for people understanding who you are and what you are about. Therefore, it is important to press the damn button on video if those are things that really matter to you online. I'm here. I've, I'm here to tell you. Social media isn't bad. The stupid uh, delete Facebook uh, hashtag was on Twitter all day yesterday. Here's the thing. If your Facebook feed sucks, it's because of the people you're following, not because of Facebook. Facebook does not ruin your feed. You decide who you follow. If people in your feed are negative, unfollow or block them or mute them, whatever it may be. I, I mute a lot of people. When people are just like, you know, I'm like, oh God, here comes a book release. I go into Facebook and I hit the 30 day, mute this person for 30 days. Cause I know that I still want to see their stuff, but they're going to be about 30 days. They're going to be bothering the crap out of me. And I don't need to see that. I'd probably see it um, on another channel. But the thing you do have to realize is that with so much noise, so much information, it's important for us to stand out from that noise. And video is the answer. And I said this on stage last week to all three of those different industries that I worked with. If we want the world to be more empathetic, if we want people to understand our story, we can no longer blame other people. We can no longer say, I'm going to let my work do the talking for me. And I can, we can no longer say, what I've been doing for the last couple of years is enough. Because it's not. People, there's fake news, there's bad news, there's people selling unicorns and rainbows and bullshit. There are people that are screaming into megaphones that have no business screaming. I believe everyone has a story to tell, but it's up to us to tell our story, to break through the noise, to amplify other people, to put our message out there to the world. And it starts with us as individuals. If you want the world to be a better place, start being more vulnerable. Start telling your story more often. Start embracing video. Start amplifying other people that help that make your life easier easier. Stop talking about bad news. Stop giving all of your time to, to people that are doing bad things and start amplifying the good people that, that are in the world. And I do believe video is the gateway to doing that. I love video. I'm, a, I'm very bullish on video. I mean, I'm creating a LinkedIn video every single week. I do an uh, Instagram story every single day since Instagram stories um, has come out. I record this podcast on Facebook Live so that those that like live video can interact with me. And, and I see the people that are watching right now. Thank you uh, guys so much for, for watching and engaging um, on this episode. It's, it's been a little bit longer of an episode. But the biggest piece of this is that press the damn button for me is much more than just video. 
But video is a great way to start. I'm going to do a couple other episodes with Press the Damn Button to talk about blogging, talk a little bit about storytelling, um, give you guys some tips, even talk a little bit about virality and what I've learned from TikTok and what I studied during Netflix documentaries that have allowed me to um, tell my story on stage uh, differently and become a little bit more relatable and a little bit more memorable. Uh, I'm also going to talk a little bit about, you know, uh, how to find your own thing, right? For me, it's the backwards hat. It's the fact I talk fast. It's the crazy shoes that I wear. Um, but that's not for everyone. I think everyone can, can create something that makes them memorable, but there's a process for that. And I'm going to, I'm going to do that on a future episode, but hopefully you guys enjoyed this episode. Uh, I know it's a little bit longer of a show of an episode, but I do believe uh, video is here to stay. Uh, if you don't like video, you're going to have to get used to it. Uh, if you're not comfortable on video, no one's comfortable on video until they start. The most popular phrase I get when people start doing video regularly is they say, Brian, it's gotten a lot easier now. It, it is. People are really forgiving. Brian, I, I'm really getting some great value. People are talking about my videos. They don't ever talk about my blogs or people are talking are, are now uh, telling me that they're subscribing to my shows. And then the last thing that I'm going to leave you with here is if I had to give you two tips with video creation, the first one is give people access to who you are. Let them go behind the scenes. Don't be afraid to show your house or your office or your, your car, whatever it may be. Give people access. The second tip is consistency is everything. If you can be consistent with video, you will make a difference with video. Shout out to my, 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 my good buddy, Damian Ross. My friend Damian Ross has done 500 straight days of video content uh, on YouTube. If you guys haven't uh, checked him out, he's, he's actually been a guest on my podcast before. Uh, I haven't had very many guests, but Damian is one of them um, that done it. He's also has a podcast out. Uh, it's called Plan D because uh, he's Damian Ross, Plan D. Uh, check out his podcast. He is, he is the um, embody, embodiment of consistency, and it's paying off for him, um, and it's something that I really enjoy consuming. Uh, I don't consume them every day. I usually wait to the end of the week, and then I watch all five of them from that week in a row. But uh, consistency can be the game changer that most of us are missing out. My friends, until next time, I challenge you, press the damn button. Get used to telling your story. Put yourself out there. Be vulnerable. Be authentic. Tell your true story. Then once you get comfortable pressing the damn button, put a little strategy, put a little workflow, build a process, and you as a business content creator can start moving the needle via video like it's been for me. Video, without hesitation, has rendered me multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars, probably close to a million dollars in the last uh, 10 years uh, that I can, that I've generated thanks to video. And it's not because of my video ads. It's not because of video sponsorship. Rather the video builds trust. It helps me tell my story, helps people look in my eyeballs and inspires them to hire me. If that's your goal, press the damn button. Cheers, my friends.